Good morning, directors. Good morning. I hope you're having a good summer. I hope that things are going well and that you are doing well. Welcome back to the Director of Flourishing podcast. I hope you have remembered that you are the Director of Flourishing in your life, as I am the Director of Flourishing in mine, and that flourishing your flourishing is up to you and it's up to you to change the thoughts that you're thinking and understand how you are looking at life because this this is what propels you towards flourishing versus keeping you from flourishing today i would like to talk about uh, something that's a stumbling block to flourishing. Because um, sometimes, you know, you or we want to flourish. We want to move forward. We want to thrive. But we just find out that we're not actually doing that. Um, and so I want to talk about shame. Shame and self-doubt. The negative voice in your head that says, no, no, you can't, no, you won't, no, you're not enough. Um, there are many, many people who talk about uh, emotional health and well-being who have studied shame in detail. And one of my favorite people is Brené Brown. Um, side story. <laughs> One of my really, really good friends who uh, now lives in a different country and I haven't talked to her in, I don't know, a year or so, recently sent me a Brené Brown clip. And she said, you know, I listened to this TED Talk and it sounds like something you would like. And I, I laughed and laughed because, yes, it was exactly something that... I would like, I actually spent my honeymoon <laughs> at a Brené Brown conference. Um, Hubby wasn't interested in doing that, but, you know, I, I, <laughs> I was, and he was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and it was, it was better than the alternative that we had planned. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I like Brené Brown, and my friend was right in, in pegging, in pegging that. Um, and I actually, like, got certified to, um, to to teach other people about the things that she has learned. Um, I think it's a really relevant work. So back to Brené. <laughs> she, uh, she talks about shame as the insecurity that can easily get attached to our identity. Um, and it tells us that we're not enough. We're not rich enough, we're not beautiful enough, we're not powerful enough, we're not good enough, we're not cool enough, we're whatever it is, we're not enough. And and she, in her writings, she talks about it causes us to believe that we're unworthy or unlovable. Now, you know, um, when I'm, you know, walking and talking, I'm not generally thinking, oh, I'm not worthy or I'm, I'm not lovable. But it is the, I can't join that group of people because I'm not X enough. I'm not something enough. 
um, why yes, you're not, I'm, I am not necessarily thinking I'm unworthy, but it's the sneaky, oh, I'm not, I'm not cool like them. I'm not smart enough. I'm not deep enough to be in that circle. I'm not, I'm not proficient enough. I'm not expert enough. Whatever it is that comes up for you, um, that holds you back from doing things that deep down inside you really want to do. That's the voice of shame. And it's not just a random thought that you kick out. It's the one that fiercely holds you down and says not on your life. Like, you know <laughs> that you cannot. <laughs> and you, like, you just absolutely cannot. Um, also, uh, Brene, Brene talks about it as being intensely painful. Um, and just believing that we are flawed. Um, there's another um, uh, person, Kurt Thompson, Dr. Kurt Thompson, who is he's a psychiatrist who talks about shame. And um, basically, you know, he, he actually, um, one of the his books I read, basically said, like, shame is, like, um, assigned to each person to keep them from reaching their full potential. And... You know, that's really what it does. It holds you down and keeps you down, tells you, basically, like, um, warps the story, warps the facts, and gives you a a warped perspective of the facts and, and then tells you that, nope, because of these facts and the reality, there's no way that you are good enough or whatever, whatever enough to do the things that you were made to do. Um, a lot of times we don't share this deeply um, felt thoughts. It, it shows up in, in our negative self-talk. And because we're ashamed of the fact that we think so and so, we don't um, share it with other people. And shame thrives in that secrecy. Um, Brenda Brown, in her book, she talks a lot about, like, coming from an alcoholic family. I don't know if that was her family or just an example. I don't remember right now. But she's talking about how, you know, if someone's parent was an alcoholic, for instance, but nobody knows, right? Um, but the kid in the house is, like, can never invite people over because you don't know what your mom's you know, how drunk your mom's going to be if your friends show up and stuff like that. And, like, life is, you know, very powerfully built around protecting this, um, the image that everything's okay when it's not. But then the secret, like, shame thrives in secrecy. And we're not ever... Because if it came up that, you know... It's that we're protecting the fact that mom is an alcoholic and whatever. The child gets some help and life gets hopefully better. But even, I mean, let's think about this. Um, let's say someone invited you to give a talk about whatever it is that they think you can talk about. And you <laughs> run away, right? Because 
I'm talking about a friend here. Okay, people, we're talking about a friend, not me. And so they invite you to give a talk and you're like, no, no, I can, no, I could never do that. Or, I'm, or at least I'm not ready. Maybe that's better. I'm not ready to do that yet. Let me, let me prepare. But you have to stop and, and examine the, neg- the thoughts, negative or positive thoughts in your mind that are feeding into the, I'm not ready yet. I can't give such a talk yet. Like, what, what are the, th- the thoughts that are feeding it? So get a pen and paper and write down, I cannot give a talk yet because... Write it down. What, write 10 reasons why you are not ready yet. Um, and then examine your 10 reasons. Are they valid? Is it just you need to prepare for a talk? Is it just anxiety about public speaking? All of those things. Um, and is this something that you personally want to be doing? Or is it just people asking you to do something that you have zero interest in doing and you know will not move you forward in life? <laughs> what they say, an, an, an unexamined life is not worth living, right? examine examine what is feeding the i'm not ready yet and see if it holds up for you and for your life if it's something you want to change or not because i bet if you sat with um a friend a good friend not not someone who already you know doesn't (laughs) move you forward a good friend and you sat with your 10 reasons, would they agree with you that all of those 10 reasons are valid reasons to not move forward? And again, this is assuming that this, giving this talk is is helping you and it's something that aligns with your own personal values. Um, a lot of times, if this talk is something that um, aligns with your own personal values and you write your 10 reasons and sit with a friend to look at your reasons, your friend in most situations will knock out like seven of those reasons <laughs> with, are you serious? Like, no, that's not true. And then there'll be like maybe three reasons that you can actually work with. And all of that is really about preparation and and getting better and stuff like that. In other words, your 10 reasons are not, <laughs> are not real reasons for not moving forward. But they are loud enough in your mind to keep you away from the things that you want to do. And if, if, you, don't, if you don't pause and examine and, you know, tease them out. You are just going to run with the self-talk that is driving you, that has been driving you in the same direction, even though you say you want change and you want to do something different. You're being driven by the unchanging self-talk. It's like a tape that you play in your mind. And you've been playing the same tape for five, ten years, and until you pause and examine that tape and see, are these thoughts 
from this particular tape the ones that I want to keep playing for the next 20 years or am I willing to stop and create a new tape create and choose new thoughts that lead me in the direction that I want to go um because on on examining self-talk is very often negative the research shows that positive self-talk will improve your mood boost productivity increase self-respect the negative self-talk as you can imagine depletes emotional well-being hinders self-confidence and leads to self-blame but i want you to think about it like this think about when when you take yourself out of the game of any game right and you're and you're saying all the reasons why you're not good enough or whatever, would you say that to a child at any point? Would you say it to your best friend? Like if your best friend showed up and says, I, I, I failed. Now what you, in your own mind, without examining it, without opening your mouth, when you think I failed, the next thoughts that show up may be, well, it's your own damn fault. <laughs> Or you're just not smart enough, you should never have tried. But would you say that to your own friend? Would you say that to your own child? Would you say it to your sister? Most times the answer is no. And when we are not willing to say things like that to the people that we love, we, we should stop and wonder why, why have we continued to say to ourselves, you know, Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Not love your neighbor and kick yourself when you're down. All right. Um, now, I know, I know that, you know, sometimes over-positivity is not in your best interest, right? They say that um, negative self-talk works if you interpret it as motivation, if it stimulates you to avoid negative outcomes or if it's viewed as a challenge. And this makes me think of, you know, I'm Nigerian, um, when in elementary school, I would always, without fail, come second, and my mother, <laughs> my mother would say, uh, you know, the person that came first didn't have two heads. And my elementary school self interpreted it as, Okay, my coming second wasn't good enough for you, but whatever, I came second. Um, fast forward uh, 20, 30 years, right? And I'm telling my husband about you know, this whole coming second every time. And um, my mother's saying I didn't have to, you know, about two heads. And, and then he said, yeah, she was trying to motivate you. I was like, motivate? <laughs> like, I ain't feel motivated. <laughs> But, you know, I said, and I was like, oh, I guess she was trying to almost like, you know, challenge me to, you know, see that I'm just as awesome as the girl or guy who came first and I could do it if they could and all of that. But I didn't, honestly, my brain did not go there. My brain just said, okay, fine, you don't like it, but it's fine. <laughs> and it was, it was just funny to me that, you know, the intended consequence was motivation you know um so they say you know <laughs> that's where negative self-talk um <laughs> can drive you forward you know if you 
are able to interpret it as as motivation or view it as a challenge or um or when it stimulates you to avoid negative outcomes like i had a friend who who was trying to lose weight and she would put a picture of i don't even know if for someone she knew or there was or she put she put a picture of a very very overweight person on her fridge because so that it would be like you know if you open this fridge and um get anything out of it you're just going to get bigger um and apparently it worked for her so i guess you know that was the way of stimulating you to avoid um a negative outcome she wasn't actively saying anything to herself but she was if she had stopped to think about it she the girl who put the <coughs> the picture that she did not want on her wall her self talk that we cannot see or hear would have been along the lines of mm-hmm, go ahead open the fridge this is where you're headed open it take it mm-hmm. this how many weeks do you think is going to get you to take you before you get to look like this um and that was enough for her now um i haven't seen this girl in 15 years or so but the research says that um we should keep our eyes on what we want not on what we don't want because whatever we keep our eyes on is where we are headed um and even talks about like um when motorcycle riders um are like in an accident that they want to keep their eyes in the direction that they want to go because whatever wherever your eyes are looking is where you are going to go so even though their you know bike is going wherever like they want to keep their eyes wherever it is that their goal is you want to keep looking at that because that's where they they're, they're going to end up um so you know i don't know about the picture of things that you don't want being the thing that you feed your mind but you know if it works it works um now brene brown back to brene brene says that connection is the deepest human need but shame right tell ourselves us a story that we are flawed we're not good enough not pretty enough not funny enough not smart enough so we're not worthy of belonging with certain groups and basically shame isolates us tells us that we cannot we cannot tell our truth we cannot share who we really are you have to wear a mask and look better um and say the more appropriate things not the things that you actually feel or think um you know be quiet but when connection is the deepest human need shame is the great isolator the great um divider that keeps you inside your house with the door locked because you are because you are convinced that you cannot get the connection that you desire and you may not even be aware that you desire connection or that your soul needs connection because you know you told yourself all kinds of things but in her research 20 30 40 year research i don't know um this is all she does all day long she says connection is the deepest human need um 
But shame shows up to keep us small, keep us out, give us stories that we cannot um, we cannot foster connection with the people in our lives, with the people around us, that it works for everyone but you. You don't get to be connected. You don't get to belong. You don't get to be loved. That's what shame says. Sh- and, and the other thing, shamed people shame people. So if you ever look at your, if you ever find yourself like criticizing other people, and I know you don't, you're a wonderful person, you don't criticize other people like that. But even without opening your mouth, when you're looking through stuff and you're judging people, um, you know, and you're just critical of things that people are saying and doing, you want to be aware that this, that light, that judging light that you're turning on other people, at times when you're less aware, you're turning that same light on yourself. And so you're probably just as critical of your own self. But when you find someone who goes, you are just whatever it is that they're fighting about, that person is often judging themselves just as critically. You know, loving people, love people, shame people, shame people, hurt people, hurt people. <clears throat> um, and then I had talked before about shame isolates. Um, Dr. Kurt, Kurt Thompson, he talks about, um, he says, we're only as sick as the secrets we keep and shame is committed to keeping us sick. Uh, I don't know what your secrets are. I don't know if they're big or small. I don't know if they're major or not. But the hiding of it is not liberating. It's not It's not what helps you to thrive or flourish. Um, so Brene talks about uh, cultivating friendships where you are able to share your ugly, weird truth and you can regularly be your true self. So is that something that you have? Is that something? Do you have safe places in this world? Do you have safe relationships? Um, have And if you don't, it's fine, please. We want to be able to cultivate those places, those relationships where you're okay to show up as is without the physical makeup and without the emotional makeup that makes you quote-unquote presentable. Um, So shame thrives in secrecy and assures you that this is horrible, terrible, and you're the only one who's ever had to deal with this thing. It weaves this story in many ways to hold you back, keep you small, and keep you from flourishing. We need community. We need community. Even if not, not that you need twenty-five people, but we need community. Um, so think about the people who know you, who know the truth about you. Are they safe people? Are they accepting and loving? Do they help you move forward, even when they know? you know, where you have failed and how you have failed and how how you've been bad. Um, we want to cultivate those places. We want to cultivate safe places for our own 
for our own souls. Um, so I want you to think about a time when you were all in, fully present and showing up as your best, as the best version of yourself. Or let me rephrase that, as the true version of yourself. Um, where were you? What were you doing? Who were you with? Um, because there's a, when you're being your true self, your truest self, the people who are not not tolerating but embracing the not so pretty side of you, those are your people. Um, there's a there's a there's someone I follow on uh, social media, Simon Sol. She talks about um, you know. And she's like a marketing genius, I guess. <laughs> and she she talks about, um, you know, how to increase followership and things. But so she talks about this um, garbage post, right? Posts three times a day. I, I, I don't know. If, I don't think I've actually ever <laughs> done that. But she's like, post three times a day for 30 days. It doesn't matter what it is. Just post. Um, and... It doesn't matter what it is you're sharing yourself, so just keep posting for 30 days. Now, what I really like about her is that she says, the people, as you're posting 30, three times a day for 30 days, you are going to be sharing yourself, the truth about who you are, what you have, the little things, the big things. But if if the challenge is to post three times a day for 30 days, you're sharing more of yourself. And is it appropriate? Is it right? Is it cute? Is it funny? We don't know. But you got to post basically 90 times over the next um, 30 days, right? What happens is that your real self starts to pop up, not the extremely curated version that usually pops up. And she's like, the people who continue to follow you, who continue to find you funny, who continue to like what you put up, you get to know them. Some some of those people will will you know kind of be like ah, all this Jesus Jesus every five minutes. Oh yeah, I'm done with this person, and they will leave. But that's okay because they are not your people. The people who, as you share more of yourself, they lean in even more. That those those are your clients. You know, those are the people that you want to work with, because you know. You share about all the books you like to read. They lean in more. You share about your writing. They lean in more. You share about how, how messy your house is. Um, they laugh because they can relate. All of that, you know, they lean in. This is how you find your clients. But I, I pull that in because um, it's really when you show up in your mess, in your truth, the friends who again this is not now not about social media. I'm not asking you to cultivate safe spaces on social media. I'm saying that the people who see your heart, who see your mess, who see your ugly, and still lean in, those are your people. And it's up to us to be those people, to cultivate those spaces for our own selves, for the people around us, for our children, for for the world. <laughs> you know, places where people. All of us are accepted in our not-so-pretty version 
not-so-perfect version of ourselves. I hope that um, all of us can work on cultivating those spaces. Um, I'm going to go now. This this has been longer than most. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. I hope you flourish. I hope you thrive. See you next time.